Thank you for listening to the following film's podcast. Today I'm joined by cinematographer Stefan Ducio to discuss his latest work, the Apple TV Plus series Chanteram. Based on the internationally best-selling novel by Gregory David Roberts, the 1980s set drama follows a fugitive who escapes prison and reinvents himself as a doctor in the slums of Bombay. Shantaram is the first Apple TV series that uses anamorphic lenses and is framed in a 2.40 aspect ratio. When shooting the series, Ducio pursued smooth camera movement and widescreen anamorphic because, in his own words, I wanted you to fall in love with Bombay and unashamedly present it in a romantic way. Ducio teamed up with designer Chris Kennedy for visual research into the 1980s India. In addition to the novel, inspiration for the visual language and aesthetic came from a plethora of art that included street and fashion photography, National Geographic content, and per Ducio, feelings of travel, wanderlust, and philosophy. I had a great time uh, chatting with Stefan and hope you enjoy the show. And what was the thing that made you want to jump onto this project? Because this is, you know, this is a series. This is, uh, for the time investment, this is going to be a pretty significant one, even though I, you shot a, quite a few of these episodes. Um, so, I mean, this is pretty much the same as doing several feature films as far as the investment in time, I would imagine. Yeah, precisely. I mean, it was a very big time investment. Like, I, I was on the show in kind of pre-production and production for the entirety of 2021. And oh, then wow. thankfully, yeah, it was like January to December and they kept me on in 2022 to um, facilitate a lot of the colour grading throughout the year as well as working with a second unit in Mumbai to be able to, you know, fill in a lot of the holes throughout all 12 episodes where we weren't actually allowed to go to India during principal photography. So I was really thankful to, you know, our showrunner and Apple to let me stay on the show because all the horror stories you hear about television maybe is that DPs are a little bit more of a gun for hire and it's like, thanks very much, away you go to the next job. But they really let me stay on and sort of stick the landing, which I was really thankful for. It felt much more like a feature film workflow. Um, but to answer your question about why I wanted to take the job, I mean, the story, first and foremost, it's a very famous, iconic Australian story, particularly in Melbourne, where I'm from. A lot of people know the story of, you know, Shantaram and Gregory David Roberts. You know, it's legendary that he escaped his prison in broad daylight and escaped to India. So I was very familiar with it. I hadn't read the book until I was offered the series and then delved into it, but I just thought it had so much potential for incredible visuals, you know, multiple timelines, multiple countries, so many locations and characters. It was such an international story of characters. Like, it attracted me for so many reasons. And, um, of course, I had a real itch of wanting to work on a large-scale television series. I'd done a lot of feature films and, you know, as television grows and grows and grows into more epic scope i feel like this was just perfect for me well it's it does feel like a natural fit for your sensibilities for what you're having to do because of some of the you know i can say one thing about all of your work that is consistent that it's always even as broad as it's gotten it always feels like there's always a 
deeply human nature to each one of these stories, even when you're dealing with the genre fair, that you always are dealing in the humanity of these characters and your style is something that is in service of the story where you have certain projects that are highly stylized and sometimes where it feels a little bit more invisible, where it just is just kind of this, um, this sort of observer point of view in a way where it's not putting that spin on it. And it's something that I think really does come through here because this is just one of those, one of those shows that makes you realize that we are kind of in that golden age of TV right now. And that the fact that there's something like this, that's out there, that's on the scale and it's not the thing that everybody in the world is talking about, that there are other things that are competing on this level is just crazy to me. Absolutely. I know what you mean. And yeah, and yeah, on your point about invisible photography, I mean, that's something I'm definitely interested in, you know, I kind of want to be there to service the story, particularly on a show like Shantaram. I was all about motivating all my cinematography choices about the blocking, what the actors were doing. Um, you know, I kind of wanted to make it all about beautiful portraiture, uh, you know, kind of fluid camera movement. I didn't want to sort of overdo the handheld, even though there is a bit of handheld in that first episode pilot because it's a bit more frenetic with the prison chase. But um, once the show settles down, it's definitely a show that's more about kind of fluid camera movement and sitting back and kind of letting the actors do their thing. Um, yeah. And could, the, the other thing that I guess I knew this intellectually that I knew this was shot during the pandemic, but a lot of the things that I've been watching over the last year and a half, they kind of have that pandemic, for lack of a better word, stink to it. Where you're like, oh, yeah, I, I could tell they couldn't get, get everybody they wanted. But, you know, this definitely feels like it's a small scale. This does not feel like that in any way whatsoever. I didn't think about the pandemic once when I was watching this. So uh, you talk a little bit about having this kind of you know, international and this scale to this when you're shooting in the middle of a global crisis like this. I mean, that's that's wonderful to hear you say that because it's certainly the shadow of COVID lingered over the entire production um, throughout. We initially wanted to go to India, and I think the studio sort of put a, a stop to that pretty soon because the Delta outbreak was emanating for India sure. at the time. And so it was quickly decided to sort of base for half the year out of Thailand as a, as a double for India and then also shoot half a year out of Melbourne, Australia. And a lot of what we did in Melbourne was work on stages where, you know, we kind of built a bunch of sets like Carla's apartment, Kata Khan's abode, um, the, the brothel set was built there, you know, many, many different sets. And we did a bit of street work as well, but, Again, Melbourne was under quite a severe lockdown as well, so it was very hard to be on the streets or on locations. It was quite restrictive. And same goes for Bangkok. Uh, Bangkok was probably more strict than Melbourne. You know, the whole city was locked down while we were filming. You know, not even restaurants or public parks were open. Yeah. It was, we were literally going from our kind of apartments to, to our sets every day. So it was quite, it was quite intense, you know, to, to be on that kind of level of, focus for so many months but um the the crews were amazing in both countries to be able to push through that and then on the other level we're all very grateful to be working during that time because i had a lot of colleagues who weren't working during the pandemic and so i was very grateful uh to have had such consistent employment throughout it um 
you know, there were some locations in Bangkok that we were kind of unfortunately locked out of. You know, we wanted to travel a bit further and wider and get out of town a bit more to open up the scope um, as COVID, you know, restricted us further and further and cases went higher and higher. We kind of had to stick to our main kind of sets of the slum that we'd built mm-hmm. as well as our Calaba back streets, which were kind of the Ronaldo's uh, bar that we we built and the guest house and a lot of streets surrounding that. And, and that became such a amazing all-purpose backlot for us because we were able to redress different street corners to be different locations like different restaurants or bars or hairdressers or um you know we could dress a few city blocks as like a market that we did that really big walk and talk with lynn and prabhu when he first gets off the bus and enters bombay you know that was amazing canvas to work on and you know the thai art departments just put so much detail into all that well, and it's something where I think you feel the world beyond what you're seeing the entire time. It's, you know, what you're seeing, it could just be, if you pan one inch to the left, you're just going to see the seams and it's going to be there. But it feels like this is an expansive world that goes beyond that. You don't feel the sense that you're in a limited location at all in this film. Or I keep calling it a film in my mind, sorry, in the series. <laughs> That's great. I'll take it. Um, <laughs> yeah, I mean, we worked hard on that that, that feeling of, you know, set extensions whenever possible, never shooting up against green screen. If there was to be used any green screen for set extensions, that green was like, you know, a hundred feet away at least. It was deep in the background. So you could put distant city buildings as opposed to actors acting close to any compositing. You know, the actors were always surrounded by reality and, and visual effects were used to extend, um, that same goes for the slum as well. I mean, there, there's some amazing visual effects work around the slum to position that within a, a greater Bombay, but mm-hmm. the slum itself was a huge build. And, you know, we felt always like we had different areas, you know, to block scenes all over that slum. It was, it was an amazing piece of design that Chris Kennedy did. I, I could not agree with you more that it's, the fact, again, not unlike your work where there's an invisibility to it, where you're just feeling like you're being dropped into this world, and that's the idea. It shouldn't draw attention to itself other than it just feels like you're in that world because those are the things that really support this story because at the end, this is really just about a man who's trying to find himself again, that we, any one of us could have had, you know, I feel very fortunate that I was dealt a pretty easy hand in comparison to a lot of people and had a couple of wrong choices and a couple of harder outcomes headed my way. I'm sure I could have ended up in this place. And I feel like that's really, there's something that's utterly relatable about that. And every element of this huge expansive story is really telling this small intimate thing that almost could be like a black box play. If you really boil it down. Yeah, great. I love that take on it. And look, and also we worked really hard to make, sure that um you know charlie's character lynn was was helped by the community around yeah. him more than he helped them as well i, I want to point that out too like yes he was he had he'd studied uh, medicine and philosophy at melbourne university and he was trying to use those skills you know when he based himself in in india but um funnily enough what they gave to him was far greater than anything he could do for them 
Now, in the the real versus the reality versus the truth, which is something that comes up with the book and with the series, there's been some things where there's talk of it. Maybe certain elements of it were exaggerated or possibly embellished a little bit, those kinds of things, which to me, I never really worry about those because a good yarn is a good yarn. Uh, but I'm wondering if that's something that you <laughs> were concerned with, with uh, telling the story, the reality of it. I was a little bit at the beginning, but, and you know, speaking to our showrunner, Steve Lightfoot, he was in close contact with Gregory throughout all the script writing process. And, I mean, Gregory pointed out when the book was released and in many interviews that uh, there are many, much of the book is based on reality, but then so much of it is amalgamations of characters and experiences. Mm. So he's always been quick to point out that, oh, well, that didn't quite happen the way I've written it, but there was a version of that that happened. So, I mean, he wrote most of it when he was in prison, so it was sort of all based on his his memories of that experience. And um, I, I know what you mean. I think he probably takes the same tact as you, which is he hasn't let the truth get in the way of a good yarn. <laughs> well, it's there's this thing that memory is a, it's a tricky beast where there's you tell a story enough times and you kind of do you remember the actual event or do you remember the story that you've told do you remember the beats and the parts where you're going to pause for to have inflection on it that you're going to jump in at this point and that's going to get the big laugh and it's just what's reality anymore so i personally don't even know because i found myself going and you talk to a friend about something that happened and in your mind it feels very real one way but then it's well no i guess it's a little bit (laughs) off from the the version that i have I know what you mean. I've told some stories over and over and over, and then I think the memory's gone, but the story remains. <laughs> but, um, yeah, and, and on on that again, Steve, our, our showrunner, sort of took a lot that was in the book and expanded upon that again as well. So that's sort of another layer of storytelling that he's done and kind of modernised it in some ways because he's made a lot of the supporting characters that were in the book um, they might not have had such a big role in the book, but he's really built up their role in the series to have it more of an eclectic international cast. He's you know, made more out of their Indian cast. Um, and I think that's all the better for it because the book obviously is a lot more centric on its protagonist, whereas Steve's tried to sort of make the world around him a lot richer. And I think he's succeeded in that, that this does feel like an ensemble piece that, Although this does not feel very from one point of view. This is not just the, the, it could be very easy. I think if this move, this series would have been made 30 years ago, it probably would have gone into the white savior territory. And I think you uh, very intentionally avoided that, that area. Yeah, absolutely. And everyone was again, acutely aware of, of that trope and, and those kind of accusations that might be leveled at the show. So like I was saying before, Steve really worked hard to make sure that he's a complex character. And yes, he does try and help them at times, but more often than not, it blows up back in his face <laughs> when he does try and play the hero. Yeah. And uh, they kind of have to bring him back down to earth and say, well, that's not quite how we do things here. That's not how the world works over here. That's great. You want to take, you know, one of us to a hospital, but that's not how it works. And they kind of have to tell him more often than not this is the way the world works and he has a, he has to have a fast learning curve over there. Yeah, absolutely. And kind of, I know we're almost out of time, but I'm curious because there was something that 
in my mind, I kind of, you know, cause I am a narcissist and I project myself into people. And I, I think, you know, if I'm, re- if I'm reading a screenplay and it comes across my desk and it's like, Oh, okay. Prison you know, escape. That's, that's checklist. That's something I've always wanted to shoot. Got to do that. That's like, you know, that's going to carry some weight with it. Like, is there anything that was, uh, that's not that you haven't done so far that's on that checklist that <laughs> do you keep a mental checklist that you want to shoot certain things? Oh, you mean in the future, hypothetically, on another project? Sure. Oh, man, I would love to shoot a big science fiction, large-scale film at some stage. That would be amazing. I'd love to sort of sink my teeth into a really big world-building kind of world that we've got to build from the ground up. That would be really fun. I've always been a big science fiction fan. So hopefully one day something like that comes along that I can kind of really work with a large team to build. Um because a lot of my favourite films are those kind of big existential questions that science fiction kind of makes you question. Um, but yeah, hopefully something like that. It's the, it's the great thing about science fiction, isn't it? It's that you have this huge canvas to tell what is ultimately these really small, intimate, interpersonal, you know, struggles that we have, these existential crises that you're going through with that, you know, something that, Something like Blade Runner, if it's just, what does it mean to be human? That's really what you're asking at the central thing, but you just tell this in a, you know, you just put Rutger Hauer and, uh, in the middle of that, just turns into something that's yeah. otherworldly and amazing. I think that's why I love it, because on the surface, some people just see the flashy side of it, which are the set pieces and the amazing design and cinematography or whatever, but like you said, it's juxtaposed with, you know, sometimes really emotional stories or existential stories and something about having those two things on top of each other just creates a special type of magic that always gives me that sort of tingle up the spine sometimes. And I'm like, oh, yeah, for for whatever reason, maybe I grew up on that sort of work, but it's always hit a special place. Same, same here. I mean, one of the first movies that I ever remember seeing that my dad said, you need to sit down and watch this was 2001. I think I was at six or seven when he made me watch it. I probably yeah. understand it fully as well now as I did then. Maybe I, I think there was something that I probably got a little bit deeper at six than I do now. I probably made it far more complicated in my mind than it needs to be. So, yeah, but I, it's just those kinds of things yeah. just endlessly revisit in my mind. Yeah, awesome. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for taking the time to do this today, man. I really appreciate it. No worries. Thanks for having me, Christopher. It was really nice to meet you, and I hope to get to talk to you again sometime. Okay. Thanks, man. Me too. Cheers. Take care. Uh-huh. Bye. Bye-bye. Thank you, Holden. Time enough to figure you out Time enough to write this down Wish me luck, give me hope
always crack.